Today we have Dr. Ronnie Shalev on the show. Have you been trading your time for money, yet still feel like it's never enough? In this episode, you will hear how Ronnie was spread thin and unable to spend the time she wanted to with each of her patients. How she realized she was trading her time for money and wanted to find another way. And how she pivoted from helping other people's health to helping people with their financial well-being. Listen and learn. I've had many people ask me how to get started in multifamily investing. So I put together a free email series that walks you through the process. You can get it by going to https colon backslash backslash www.dbprivateequity.com backslash passive income. And yes, you do need to include the entire URL, including the www. I hope you get a ton of value from it. And now on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Ronnie Shalev before we start the show. Ronnie lives in the Dallas area. She was an ER doctor that found a way to make money investing in multifamily real estate. She then shifted her focus from helping people with their health as an ER doctor to helping people with their financial well-being. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Ronnie Shalev. Ronnie, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how we know each other and then we'll get into it. So um, Ronnie and myself both belong to the same uh, multifamily mentorship group in the Dallas area, the Brad Sumrock group. And at one of the marketing events, um, we ended up meeting and, you know, just exchanging info and super, super nice. And, um, and then we ended up bumping into each other again down in the parking lot. And uh, as we were leaving, and so her and her husband were just getting involved at that time. It's probably a few years ago. And um, so I am interested in hearing what she's been up to and um, how she can help others through their journey as well. So with that, Ronnie, can you share a little bit with the listeners in terms of how many units and how many uh, properties you're invested in? Yeah, so I have a pretty large portfolio um, for LP and GP together. Um, as LPs, we have about 3,800 doors as GPs, we have around 1330. Um, so around 1330 around, yeah, that sounds like it's pretty much on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes when, when there's a unit down or something like that, that's, uh, (laughs) I don't count it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. That, that's in a short period of time too. So when did you guys get involved that you started kind of, you know, scaling up? Yeah. So we started, we've been doing real estate since 2014 in, in, in various asset classes, but we started multifamily, small multifamily primary owners 
in 2019, and then we started buying large multifamily in 2020. So all of this has been really over a very short time frame um, that we've just completely bought in to the apartment concept and just went all in. Well, that's fantastic. I think that that, you know, that can show other people that are listening that you can scale really fast in this business. So maybe share a little bit about your background and and why you got into the business, and then we can um, delve into more specifics. Sure. So I'm a board-certified ER physician turned real estate investor. Um, And many people ask me, you know, why I left medicine after six years, 16 years. um, 16 years. Wow. 16 years. And really the, the most vivid memory I have is, you know, I remember a shift where I was alone. Um, I was the only doctor in the entire ER. I had no medical assistant, no scribe, no nurse practitioner, no, 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 no other help. It was around 10 PM. I was treating two stroke patients at the same time. Um, I had someone in respiratory distress with an asthma attack. I had a heart attack patient that I was treating. The waiting room was packed. There wasn't an empty chair. You could see really the pain and the frustration on everyone's faces, their families, the patients. And on top of it, there were several ambulances lined up waiting to get checked in. Holy cow. I looked up at that clock to see when my relief would come. Eight hours. Eight hours. Uh, and, and there's no, there's nobody on call in that situation that, you know, if all no. of a sudden it's a really busy night that more people will all of a sudden, you know, be called in? Nope. Just me. Holy cow. So I was responsible for all of these people. The stress, I don't know if you can imagine the stress, but it was unbearable. You see, like the administrators had cut the physician hours. At some point, there were multiple doctors working. But they, the, the administration decided to save money and they left only one doctor responsible for everyone who walked into the ER or was already there. So I had no other choice. I put my head down. I took care of everyone that night and really oh, at the man. expense of my own health. Um, I didn't eat, drink, or pee during that shift. I got home so exhausted that I collapsed on the bed, still wearing my scrubs, and slept the rest of the day. My family didn't understand why I was so tired. They didn't know I had taken care of over 50 very sick patients that night. I mean, how could they? It's really hard to fathom, right? Like what else, but what else was I supposed to do? The other thing is, uh, you know, as you're saying it, I'm, I'm kind of feeling bad because I'm thinking to myself, I've been in the situation where I'm sitting in that waiting room and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm not a happy camper. Right. And I'm thinking of it from my perspective, you know, from the patient's perspective. And maybe I'm there with a family member that's waiting to get in. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And, and even if I put blame on the actual administration for the staffing levels, you can't help but be frustrated with the people that are there in front of you. So in addition to having the stress of having to deal with all those people, by the time you see certain people, they're already frustrated. 
and right. you know, and they're glad to see you, but they're also not happy that it's taken so long. Right. And what people don't understand is that it's, I mean, it's not even the doctor's fault, right? There's not enough staff. There's an overwhelming amount of patience. Everybody wants to be seen quickly. Um, but really you're prioritized based on sickness. So if you're not being seen quickly, then that means you're not dying. Um, but you know, at some point, you know, it, 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 or the psyche of the, of the physician is, oh my God, is everyone, it, it kind of fluctuates. Is everyone so sick to why are you here at three in the morning, you know, with a paper cut or just like a cough, you know? So it really, I mean, these type of stressful situations where, you know, you're immediately set up to fail. I mean, especially in terms of like the, the patient experience, right? Like the patient's already mad, they're in pain, they're frustrated, they're scared. And here you are, you know, if they see you, you're the, usually the families and the patients see you running around. They think you're ignoring them. You know, if you take a sip of water, oh my God, she's taking a break. I'm sitting here and she's taking a break. Like, how could she take a break? Um, So, you know, there's the dehumanizing of the physician. That's a good word, Um, the dehumanizing. I I think that that's that's the reality, you know? Um, So you go through all that stress and that stress helps you decide to do something different? You know, I was at some, you know, I came home from there and, and I, you know, I realized that I was a high paid hourly worker. I was an hourly worker. I was just a high paid hourly worker. I was tied to my job. I was told by administrators who had no medical education, how to practice medicine, how quickly to see patients. And oh yeah, they made sure to let me know if they didn't like my numbers, I was replaceable. I started wondering why I loved the job in the first place. And how many years of school did you have to go to to, to get there, right? I mean, how, what, yeah. is, what is it to become uh, a doctor? Ten yeah, years? it's four years of college, four years of medical school, and then three years of emergency medicine training. So 11 years. Um, 11 years. And then, and then you're, during those three, you know, you're working during those three years as a resident, you're working over 80 hours a week and you're getting paid, you know, it ends up being like five or $6 an hour. Um, and that's the time where they train you, they dehumanize you, you know, that you learn to walk around sleep deprived. You walk, learn to walk around and not have eaten in 12 hours at all. Um, you're just constantly working on adrenaline uh, before you realize like, oh my God, it's been 30 hours. And like- So that night sounds like it was a pivot point for you. It was, it was, it was like, how do I get out of, like, is this what it is? Like I spent all these years and it's just the same. And it didn't matter like what practice I went to. I went to, I went, I lived in New York. I lived in Philadelphia. I lived, uh, you know, I moved to Texas. It all became the same. Um, it was always the same story. Like I wasn't making my own decisions. I was being controlled by the administration. 
I was, uh, you know, overworked, high stress, and really putting my health last. Everyone else's health ahead of mine. Um, and my husband and I said, you know, he's like, well, the only way we can do this is get you out is by figuring out a way for you not to trade your time for money, not be an hourly worker. How can you work? How can you make money without being at work, without being at the hospital, without seeing patients? And, you know, basically I was like, it's, it's impossible. Like, I don't know how to do that. Um, that was around the time when a friend came to us and said, Hey, you know, I've been investing in, in real estate. You know, I own a piece of a hundred seven elevens and I receive a check every quarter and I don't do any work. It's called passive income. And I thought to myself, this sounds like a pyramid scheme. This is weird. It's too good to be true. It sounds risky. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, how do you work and how do you not do any work and make money? Like that's, it sounded crazy. Is it real? Right. I mean, that's the, that's <laughs> yeah. the question, right? Is yeah. it real? Is it, you know, is it phony? Is it a scam? Yeah. And you know, but I was frustrated enough with what was going on at the hospital. You know, the, this guy was like driving a Lamborghini and I said to my husband, like, let's try it. You know, like, what do we have to lose? Because the losing is me continuing this way. And I don't know if you know, but physicians have a higher risk of heart disease from the stress um, that we encounter during our careers. It's actually a cardiac risk factor. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't know that. Um, I've had a few physicians on and they've, you know, educated me on the fact that doctors, they do spend a lot of time reading but it's typically to better their practice and their knowledge in their, in their practice rather than, and they don't know how to manage the money that they're making. Um, so letting their money work for them. And that's kind of what you're, you're talking about with investing in the 7-Elevens or in multifamily or something else passively. Mm -hmm. It's, it's letting your money work for you. Absolutely. And you know, it's not something that is ever talked about, right? You're in high, you know, where do you get financial education? Right. You know, as in, even when you're in college, like you don't get financial education. If they're teaching you anything, they're teaching you to invest it in the stock market. Right. So until someone steps out of that and opens their mind up to alternative investments to, Hey, maybe what we've been taught might be wrong. Only then does do the doors swing open? You're absolutely right. And, and I think that part of it, it, you know, because we weren't educated, some of the terminology just turns people off because they don't understand it. You know, words like alternative investments. I mean, it's right. not really a difficult word, <laughs> but like it can scare people because they don't understand it. You know, right. Private, alternative private, means alternative, means like private, a deviation, whatever. like scary. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and we, we've been taught to save, 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 put it in our retirement and you'll be fine. Maybe buy some insurance. You're going to be set. And what I realize is that that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to make it physically. Like I'll either have a heart attack or I'll have a nervous breakdown or something before I get to that point. And I need to figure something else out because 
you know, there's a lot of people doing other things and they all seem happier than me. They all seem to have more freedom. They're not tied to a job. And that's what I was searching for. That's attractive, you know, and, and you're fortunate that you, you had a friend that, you know, said, hey, look, this is what I'm doing and I'm having success at it, you know. And so you were able to, to learn from that person and, and that kind of opened the door uh, for you. Sometimes, you know, somebody, you either read a book or somebody introduces you to something, an idea, a concept, go to a conference, whatever the case may be. Um, and you may not take action right away. And it may take, you know, three or four or five people to introduce that seed to you. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I've heard this enough. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go. And like you said, what do I have to lose? Right. right? It just depends on how, how strong is your pain that you're willing to, to jump, to make an effort, to, to try something new. You know, if you're not in so much pain, if your stock market, you know, stock portfolio is up 40%, like why would you sell and go into real estate? But if you've lost a million dollars in the stock market, then you're like, whoa, you know, this is something that, you know, might be something I need to, to change. So right. it's, it really is about how, how much pain are you, are you experiencing? And at that time, and you so understand pain. pain from the standpoint of a medical, you know, an ER doctor. People come in with pain, but it's physical pain versus financial pain. Right. Stressful pain, like anxiety, just the pain of, is this what my life is going to be? Uh, you know, you spend all your time as trying to be a doctor, whatever career, like, okay, you're focused on that, getting in, passing the tests, you know, learning to be the best doctor. And then, then it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the person in charge soon. I better know every single thing because a person's life depends on it. Right. And then, um, you get out, you're working like, so w when do you have the time? When do you have, and then you're trying to live your life. When do you have the time for financial literacy? No, it's interesting because, you know, if you come out and you're a doctor, there's a few things that, like, without even knowing the person, you know, I, I would check off, like, person is, you know, a hard worker, you know, person is determined, you know, the person is, you know, highly educated, the person, you know, is dependable, is trustworthy, um, the person wants to serve others, you know, all those things, like, without even knowing anything about the person, the fact that they became a doctor, you know, kind of checks those boxes in my mind, you know? And so now you've done all that. And then you're like, is this all there is? Like, you know, so now talk to us about the shift, the transition. Yeah. So, I mean, I, st we started investing in these syndications and we really just tried all of the different asset classes within commercial real estate. A lot of them like we've what? invested in triple net leasing, retail centers, industrial warehouse, RV parks, self-storage, assisted living, and, wow. you know, even apartments. I mean, we're, we're just, we were looking for really under, to try to understand the business model of each asset class. And then what did we like in, and truthfully, I was looking for something less risky. 
What's the least amount risky of risk? Than what? Uh, okay. I don't know. Uh, out of all other, those asset classes, you were yeah. trying to find something that was least risk. Yes. The least amount of risk. Okay. The least amount of risk. What can I go all in on? And really housing is what I felt was the answer. And that's how you ended up with, at, in apartments. That's how I ended up in apartments. So you decide you want to get into apartments. Uh, you know, you've invested in a lot of different deals. How do you, as a passive, as a, as a passive investor, how do you, you kind of, what's your thought process now in terms of, you started doing all that in 2014. Um, you started doing small multifamily in 2019. So in 2020, like what are kind of the decision points that you make in terms of, okay, I want to go all in on multifamily. How do I do it? These are the steps I'm going to take. Yeah. So 2020 was when the pandemic hit. Um, and I was eight months into the pandemic when I said, I cannot do one more shift. Like I am just going to walk out because whatever I had gone through that one shift many, many years ago, it had been so many years of the same thing that I hung in there. I hung in there and I tried to make it work. And um, after the pandemic, when there weren't enough supplies, there weren't enough masks, you know, I was given a trash bag and told, don't worry, just go into that room um, and you can take care of that patient. Like, I was like, no one cares about my health. Right. Like, if that didn't solidify that, I, that no one cared about my health, um, I don't know what else would have, right? And the pandemic, I mean, it's COVID still around, right? But eight months into it, 12 hours a day where I'm in a respirator, multiple gowns, you know, hats, goggles. I come home with imprints on my face. I said, this is what it's going to be like from now on because COVID's not going away. I don't want this. I said, I'm done. You know, my husband's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's look at our finances. Let's, let's, let's go from there. Let's look. And we looked at, you know, our net worth and we looked at our liquidity and we looked at, uh, you know, how much cash flow we were getting and and it was enough for me to to leave and we and, and really we said you know this is all working with a small multifamily and but how do we 10 exit and that's when i jumped in to the multifamily space and i said well i can't do this on my own i have to learn from the people that have already done it because success leaves clues i don't want it to t i could figure it out it'll take me you know, five years. Why? When I can pay to have someone teach it to me, you know, right. I'm an edge, like I'm all about education. I've been doing it my whole life. So I don't fear asking for help and I don't fear learning something new. So I and, went and, and you're, we you get program. to choose, you get to choose like what you want to learn. Right. I mean, when you're in college, yeah. when you're going through medical school, like you're told this is what you have to learn these are the tests you're going to take. These are the books you're going to read. But then when you get out, you have a choice. Like, hey, if you want to go a different direction, you can seek out people that have already done it and pay them to teach you how to do it. Right. And when you're looking, you know, I've been just brainwashed to decide, you know, that the only way that there's an education is if it has a university behind it. Right. Like, 
I was looking at MBA programs. Am I going to get an MBA? Am I going to get an MPH? And, you know, I, I got to do something else and get a, some sort of letter because only then does it mean anything. And really everybody that I talked to was like, okay, so you have MBA next to your name. Then what? You still don't have any job experience. You still don't know how to do anything. You just, so I said, you know, then this isn't the right path for me. And that's when I started going to conferences and seminars and webinars and in seeking out the experts, I don't need the letters behind my name. I want the practical experience. I want someone to tell me what it's really like. And I want to learn it not from a professor that doesn't do it. I want to learn it from people that are doing it. And that's, that's where I found, um, you know, the, our mentor. Yeah. That, I mean, one of the things that blew me away was how many highly qualified people I met in that group that had done what I wanted to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, so rather than have to reinvent the wheel, you know, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? You know, um, what legal counsel did you use? What property management companies did you use? All these questions that you have if you're trying to do it solo and then you've got all these experienced people that you can tap into and say, how'd you do it? You know, so that's huge. Right. And, and they've all been in different places than I was. You know, I was fortunate enough to be educated already, to know how to work hard and to have capital to start. Right. So like, that's where I had kind of the big pieces behind me and I could just really jump all in. And that's kind of what my husband and I did. So you jump into a multifamily mentorship group and you meet other people. How do you go about, you know, this is one of the big questions I get from people all the time is, is you know, what value do I provide and how am I going to find partners that want to partner with me? So yeah. how did you go about that? Well, you know, because my husband and I formed our company together, we're fortunate enough to do it together. So we're two people for the price of one. And we have two different skill sets. You know, my husband is an entrepreneur, um, has had mul multiple small businesses. He's uh, got 20 years of construction experience. And he has some, he's one of those people that like learns everything. Uh, he just like loves to understand everything. Um, and he can fix anything. So that piece of it. And then I have my network. I have um, my work ethic. I have the experience of the investing in other syndications to learn what investors like, because I know what I like and what I don't like. You know, I know that I want a certain level of communication. I know I want, you know, ACH distributions versus checks. I know that I, what I want in someone to help me in that process and to be accessible to me. So, you know, when we formed our company, Shalwin Properties, I do the investor relations. I do the marketing. I do the strategy. I do um, the capital raising. I do the education of the investors. My husband is the one that does, um, he has a lot of the relationships with the brokers. So he finds the deals. Um, he's able to walk the properties and really get an idea of what the CapEx will be before the LOI even goes out, right? Like, oh, this is going to need this and this and this. So he's very good at 
relationships, underwriting. He loves forming the teams and doing the structure of the deal. So we really bring a lot to the table. It took us a while to understand what we brought in, what we brought to the table. Um, we, and also, you know, there's, when you're in was, this was group, that, a lot of I people I mean, look, it sounds like that there's a lot there and you've, you've made it clear now, but so what was going on through your mind when you first got involved? Like, was it, was it more mindset? Like I haven't done it. So we, we don't have as much value to provide or uh, what, what was going on through your, your head? Because, you know, there are listeners that they're going for their first deal and they struggle with in their mind, what value they can bring. How can they find a, a partner? Yeah. And I think that um, really telling people directly the value you bring um, helped us. And we, you know, we actually changed our strategy in the beginning. We were looking for the deals ourselves and underwriting them ourselves. And we weren't getting a lot of traction um, because it was taking us a very long time to underwrite. And then none of the numbers kind of made sense. And then, you know, we just, there wasn't that confidence piece. But then when we started connecting with other investors and saying, hey, we can do this, we can do this. Then we formed teams and it was, it was important. The, the way that we broke into the industry though was through capital raising. Um, and once they met us and they gave us a chance, they could see that, you know, we do what we say. We're there. You can hold, you know, we hold ourselves accountable. There's no like chasing us to do various things. We're very organized and, Slowly, we've branched out. You know, we're, we started as just co-GPs, and then now we're lead GPs, lead sponsors. Um, we have several deals, and, you know, we're just continuing on that journey. Fantastic. So if you think about, like, that guy in, the, in Lamborghini, that friend of yours that, you know, introduced you to real estate, you know, at first, and this is the path that everybody goes through. At first, you're just thinking about how can I get my first deal? How can I get involved? How can I? But now, like you, ha you're tapping into your network and you're introducing that concept to people that are connected to you that may never have been, you know, introduced to this world. So, who, who falls into your network? Is it is it mostly medical professionals? Is it people from going to the college? Is it all the above? Like people you've met along the way? What, what's, where, do you, where are most of your connections coming from that are investing with you? Yeah, believe it or not, it's burnt out healthcare professionals. Um, and the, the burnt out piece is significant, right? Because I connect with that story. They connect with my story. Um, feeling I think trapped that's important. Job. Yeah. Because look, you, with, with this, this alternative investments, private syndications, whatever you want to call it, um, it's different than buying a stock on, you know, you go to your, your brokerage account and you put in Amazon and you, you hit 100 shares and boom, you're done. But there's, there's no really relationship, you know, and you're hoping that the stock price is going to go up. Um, but you connect with certain people that I'm not going to connect with. You have a story that connects with certain people that 
they can relate to. And so you can build a network off of that. And for the listener's benefit, every one of you have that same thing. You have a different network than Ronnie. You have a different network than me. And those people, you know, in the beginning, some of them may say, you know what, I'm going to wait and see and watch, you know. But once you're successful, they're like, hey, how'd you do that? And all of a sudden you go from just building your own wealth to helping other people grow as well. Yeah, and that's what's really just making such an impact on my happiness level because I'm getting to help, first of all, educate people that have never even heard of this, you know, they don't know what a, what's multifamily? What does that mean? They don't even know what that term is, um, let alone syndication. But I get to impact, I get to help people with their financial wellness. And it's the wounded warriors in the, you know, in the healthcare field um, that know that everyone's neglected them. That's, that's who I get to help. And, you know, that just fills my bucket so much. Um, It's very important to me and I'm very passionate about it. You know, for years I helped people with their physical wellness, with their medical emergencies. I was there for them. And now I get to still do that. I get to still be there for them and offer guidance and support, but this time with finances. So I'm, I'm super lucky um, that I can make an impact on, on people that are interested in this. Yeah. And look, it's, I found the same thing. There's, there's, you know, two qualities to this. There's, you know, every deal that you're a part of, you build your family's wealth, but you also build the wealth of all the investors that are in the deal. And, but there's a second piece that's just the joy and the happiness of helping others. And, you know, for some people, you know, they have different gifts and qualities that they could bring to, to this world and help others. And they're underutilized, you know, and you may be just working and trading your time for money and you're doing a good job for the company that you're working for, but you're not able to impact all the other people in your network. But then all of a sudden when you get involved with this, look, not everybody's going to be interested in and not everybody's going to have the capital to invest in these types of deals. But for the ones that are, you're able to help them. That's huge. Yeah, for sure. That's huge. So um, talk about, you know, I know, understand the, the burnt out healthcare professionals, but talk about like, I think there's a lot of high net worth individuals out there, people that make good money and maybe they like what they do, but they, they don't know what to do with that money once they, they make it. So, you know, I've heard stories about doctors who, live paycheck to paycheck, you know, they, they're high income earners, but they, you know, they put it all into homes and cars and vacations and they don't really know how to pull money out and, and put it aside and have that, that money work, you know, for them. So talk about not just medical professionals, but just high income earners and how something like this can help them, um, you know, build wealth. Yeah, I mean, the tax benefits for this, for specifically for apartments is significant. And people really, a lot of high net worth individuals don't think about the taxes. And it's really, I used to glaze over 
when I would hear like, oh, taxes and right now I mean, like someone's some in the beginning, people would say cost segregation study. And I would be like uh, in a zone. Now I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm going. Why are you excited? Books. I, because it's not what you make. It's what you keep. What you keep. It's what you keep. It's what you keep. And really a lot of our wealth acceleration has been the tax benefits because I'm taking the, what I would have paid to the government and putting it in another investment, buying another asset, giving, getting more um, just cash flow and, and learning that I feel like changed my life. And, and, and that's just not limited surra- to doctors, right. right? That's limited to anyone, high net worth individuals. Absolutely. And, and like being, so being surrounded by other people in this network, they didn't only teach me how to buy a multifamily deal, but they also taught me, you know, the tax, tax benefits of doing so. And, you know, different vehicles you can use to invest and, you know, a lot of different aspects of financial health that you can learn from other people that, that, you know, that are fully legal, but we just weren't educated on it. Right. And I wasn't interested in it, honestly. Um, It wasn't something that I was interested in. And being around people that talk about it and talk about their wealth and talk about their strategies, you learn how important it is. And then it started becoming interesting to me. Right. And now, you know, I'm sharing my knowledge with other people. And I think it's, it's something that is not talked about enough in the financial education, financial literacy, tax planning, tax strategies is, you know, there's a deficit in in how much people talk about it. Even the financial space altogether, like I, I think before I got involved with being around real estate investors, like people are, it's like a taboo subject. Like you don't ask somebody how much you make, you know, or what you're, your income is or what your net worth is or any of those things. It's like, how dare you, you know, you poke the, you know, the hole in me. But when you get into this world, you know, if you're, when you're forming teams, people ask those questions like really quick. And then, you know, they're, if it meets their needs and they form a team, if not, then they move on to other people pretty quick. But you realize that, you know, they're, they're talking about something that they can actually have an impact on. If you don't talk about it, how do you, how are you going to change it? Right. You know, and if, if you, you don't, don't measure about- it, you won't know it. So a lot of right. people don't know. Um, it really, it's a very interesting how a lot of the people don't know what, how to calculate net worth, even the high net worth individuals, right. you know, or the, or the high earners, uh, they, they can't be high net worth if they don't know how to calculate net worth, right? <laughs> so what is net worth for somebody that's listening right now? What, how would you define net worth? I mean, it's, you know, I would say assets minus liabilities, right? But people don't know what an asset is. They don't know what a liability is. You know, those basic terminology um, is important. Uh, it's Absolutely. very, very important. There's a lot of high income earners that, that buy a lot of liabilities and right. put debt on it. And so that's not 
you know, improving their net worth. It's not, right. you know, buy assets that are going to appreciate that. Buy assets that are, are going to have cash flow. Um, I've had people that have said, you know, they're unhappy with, you know, especially last year with gas prices, um, we're, you know, we're going up. And I was like, you know, what? I don't like paying more at the pump either, but I was glad that I owned Exxon Mobil stock. You know, so like <laughs> I was paying more at the pump, but I was, uh, my my stock was appreciating. And it's the same thing with, you know, multifamily. It's like, well, I don't like to, you know, if you're renting, I don't like that my rents are going up. But hey, if you invested in multifamily assets, your assets are appreciating, you know, and that's way above and beyond the increase in rent that you're paying. Right. It's really all about perspective and your mindset, right? And and what, how you see things and how you frame things. Um, and a lot of it didn't come to me until later in life, right? I didn't know, you know, I was told to save and don't have debt. Now I'm opposite. I use debt strategically to but you buy debt assets. To buy assets that are cash flowing versus yes. using debt to buy clothes or go on vacation or, or right. so... You know, if I had a choice, am I going to redo, replaster my pool or am I going to buy an asset with, let's say, a home equity line of credit? I'm going to buy an asset. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's the difference. The, the other big mindset shift that I had with getting involved with other people was, and this goes to kind of our training beforehand, financial training was just like, it was all about building up a big nest egg so that when you retire, you can pull from that nest egg, right? So you, how much do I need to retire? And you're going to build up this big mound of money. And then when you retire, you're going to start pulling from it. And then I had somebody tell me like, how much do you want to pull from that? Like, and, I, and mentally that's, that was like just hard thinking about, like, I don't really want to see it go down, right? So what happens People are, all, you know, most people feel that way. They don't want to see it go down dramatically. So they're going to live really, really frugally to pull down as little as possible out of that big nest egg versus, you know, what other real estate investors educated me on was instead of looking at it like that, buy assets that prov provide cash flow and then all that cash flow, if that more than pays for your living expenses, your lifestyle, then you've already done it. I'm like, holy right. cow, that, that makes a world of difference, right? And then your assets keep appreciating, your cash flow keeps going up, and your lifestyle is paid for. So, you know, it's, it's like you don't, that's when you get the freedom, right? Right. That's when you well, get you the know, freedom. I had, a, I had a financial person ask me, do you want to live at the lifestyle you're at now when you're 70? Or do you want to not eat out, not travel? <laughs> right. And I was like, no, I want the lifestyle that I want. And then, then you can't get that with what you're doing now. Right. And I see it. I see it in, you know, my, my elderly patients that are very worried about what they're going to do. When social security stops or, or, oh my gosh, I wrote them a prescription for a medicine that, you know, will really, they can't afford. 
but, but you know, maybe they need it. So maybe, you know, and I'm, and I'm very conscious of that because we just don't do enough education, financial education. We get to the point when we're in our 60s, 70s, and this whole population, this whole silver tsunami now, you know, in addition to having health problems and all kinds of things, now they have to worry, do they have enough money to eat? Right. So that breaks my heart. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, fear and the unknown, I think, prevents people from getting involved in a lot of different things. And, um, but because this is a relationship business, like you, me, everybody else that's involved that we keep telling people to get involved, like little by little, we're chip- chipping away and bringing other people into the fold where they can, they can earn more money and have, you know, a different, you know, a different um, net worth building opportunity than just putting their money in the stock market. I asked somebody who's very wealthy, I said, do you know anybody, anybody that has become wealthy from saving from a W-2 paycheck? And he thought about it and he was like, I don't know one person. Right. He's like, you know, like strong, large wealth building, you know, it's come from real estate or it's come from building your own business or it's come from being in a tech company and getting a ton of stock options. Um, but just by putting 10, 20% of your savings away every month Mm-mm. and then putting that into the stock market, he said, I don't know one person. Right. And that's the biggest myth. People think like, oh, I'll be fine putting it in the stock market. No. And I was there. Because yeah, it's up and down. Was- it's up and down. I was there and shame on me because I I believed it and I put my 10, 20% away and then I wasn't accountable to it anymore. I felt like once I put it off to the side, you know, it was supposed to just grow like magic, you know, but we're all accountable for our own money. And, and so you need to be accountable, you know, for the listener's benefit, you need to be accountable for all the assets you have in your retirement plans in your savings accounts, you know, in your home equity, wherever you you have capital opportunities, you are responsible, you know, and if you want to grow, grow it, then you have to learn about different opportunities. Right. And you can't be fixed in your ways that you've been taught. You have to be open to new ways of thinking and new opportunities. That's the only thing that's going to open you to new opportunities. And it's scary at first, but when you get around a lot of other people, because the question everybody has is the same. Is it real? Right. You had it. I had it. You know, so sometimes it takes just one person to tell you, yeah, it's real. You know, I, here's, what, here's my experience. Other people, they need to hear from 5, 10, 20 people. Like, go out, whatever your number is, go out and meet them. Because, you know, in our experience, it is real. So now you guys have been managing, we've talked a lot about just financial health. Um, You guys have been managing deals now. What, what are some of the learning lessons you've learned since, you know, both as a co-sponsor and as a lead sponsor, what are some learning lessons that you've learned? You know, um, I think 
knowing the difference between marketing, the marketing of the property, I think is huge. Um, you know, we had an amazing, we have an amazing property and an amazing location, but the occupancy was down. And it's like, how, how could this possibly be happening? So really digging in is to the, to the marketing piece. You know, how do you solve that? Well, we dug and dug and dug and, and realized that the property management company was failing us. Um, and really learning how they were failing us. What were they doing? They were not being, not holding themselves accountable, not looking at the, the analytics. And we switched property management companies and this property is turning around. Um, but I think that one of the big learnings is to move faster. Um, and I'm an ER doctor. I'm ready to move fast. Um, that's probably good and bad. But the other partners, you know, getting alignment within your team is highly important. Um, and, you know, working with other people that, that are at different speeds is, is challenging, right? And that's kind of where you have to also understand when you're forming your team, you know, how quickly do people respond? How, you know, what is the, you got to take action. Um, and there's, you know, some might say that my action is, is too fast. And some people might say, you know, we didn't take action soon enough. I think in retrospect, we could have changed property management companies sooner. Um, I think everybody's kind of in agreement with that, but there was a lot of, you know, promises like, no, we're, we're pre-leased, we're this, we're that, you know, it's going to be stable. And, and you want to, you want to believe them because it's a big pain in the butt <laughs> to change property right. management companies. Right. Um, it's a but big then decision. Even, yeah. And then even when you're doing it now, you're now I'm like on top of the new company right now. Now I, now I want to, now I know all the marketing thing, what's a, you know, the lead part and then where are they converting? How long is it taking them to fill out the application? You know, what is our criteria? Why is it taking them from the application to the tour, to the signing of the lease? What, what, what's the time frame? What's the lag? Where are they coming from? You know, what's the source? How much are we paying? Is it a click? Is it an ad? Is it Facebook? So like, all things that I never thought I would be learning, you know, it's completely out, you know, completely new to me, right? I'm an ER physician. I would show up to work and my my customers, my patients would just be there, right? I never had to do the marketing. Um, so no, you're, here, ba you're basically running a business now. Yeah. And you have to figure out how to get leads and, and, you know, a lot of times we're hearing like, oh, you know, the vacancy is really low, occupancy is really high, these growing markets. And you think like, oh, I'm just going to, if I build it, it'll come. Like the, the tenants are just driving around looking for, for places to live, but that's not true. Um, and you still are competing with the, the five apartment complexes that are on the same block as yours. And how do you compete with them and how do you market? And so a lot of that, um, I, I learned a lot and I learned that one of the biggest things is the property management company is not an expert in it either. They might say they are, they might have a right. whole team that that's what they do, but they are busy running your property and they might not be paying attention to the marketing piece. And then you learn 
what questions to ask. You you know you you and you once you understand all that, you also take that to all your additional properties that you mm-hmm. you end up taking on. So you know all these um, learning lessons get to be kind of stacked on top of each other. Um, and some of them may be applicable to the next property or maybe a completely different problem um, that needs to be solved. But those are those are learning lessons. You're like, oh, I've seen this before and this is how we tackled it. And that's that's important. Right. So what's your next big stretch goal going into 2023? I mean, you've, you've you know, as an LP, you're in 3,800. As a GP, you're in 1,300. What's kind of the next big stretch goal for you? Yeah, I, we are positioning ourselves for 2023 to be buying a lot of properties. Um, we feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunities. So really repositioning our cash, building our teams, you know, ahead of time and being able to move fast on the properties that we see. I think that's so going to be our main focus. Do you have a how many properties in mind or unit count or anything like that for 2023? I I, I don't know because you know this Just year depends on the opportunities that come. Yeah, I mean it's we thought we were going to close on you know a ton more, and then the whole interest rate craziness occurred, and, and so right. you know I I, I just want to look at the each deal. I don't want to say, oh, I said to myself, I'm going to buy six. So let me buy this so-so deal. Um, I need to understand, you know, it's important to me that this, what makes it super important is that I have other people's money, not just mine. Right. And I need to make sure that the deal is a winner because the, you know, I never want to come to an investor and say, this isn't working. Um, We made a mistake. Right. So it has to it has to be a great deal. So I'm not going to just say, "Oh, I'm going to buy six. Uh, you know, it's I want to buy amazing deals. So I get, I get that's it. what I'm looking for. So what do you like to do for outside of work for fun? I love to travel. I where love you, my where do you travel. You my favorite outside. Out, outside, yeah. My favorite places are Southeast Asia or Asia. I've, um, I've spent a month in Thailand, three weeks in Vietnam, a month in China. I've been to Malaysia and Singapore and I just absolutely love that area of the world. Why, why did you pick that area of the world? I I mean, most people are going to say Europe, right? I mean, Europe's beautiful. Um, but you know, how, how'd you pick Asia? I, uh, I love going to markets and food markets. That is like, I love going and think you know, there are, they are, there's a lot of night markets and stands and I love just going and trying new food. And, and so that's like, so fun for me. And that's what I used to do. I'd just be like, you can't communicate with them. Right. So I learned a few words like, is it this, is it this? You, you and point, you just try you it. Point. <laughs> you point. <laughs> and it, I've, I mean, I got exposed. I used to just go to the fruit markets and like pick out we, I still do that. We went, you know, um, learn like learning all the weird fruits that I'd never seen before. 
And I was lucky enough, I took my kids to Costa Rica in the summer and we went and we bought just a bunch of fruit that they'd never seen before and vegetables. And, and we just sat around and tried this like, mm, no, I don't like this. So they tried it. No, ugh, gross. You know, oh, I like this. And so we just exposing them. I did that a lot, you know, before kids. And I love that now I can start introducing my family to all that stuff. It's just really fun for me. That's awesome. And what a great exposure for your kids too. So that's fantastic. Hey, if people want to reach out and get to know you better, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So my company is Shalwin Properties, S-H-A-L-W-I-N properties.com. Or you could email me at Ronnie at shallwinproperties.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think that it's um, awesome that you are helping out, helping burnt out healthcare professionals. I think that there's so many people out there that probably fall into that, that niche. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing you at future events. And uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week, sign off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 